Oh, I guess we're recording now. In this episode, we break down the new second generation NX and explore details on the next LX, this week on the Lexus Enthusiast Podcast. Hi, my name is Kevin Watts. I'm the founder of Lexus Enthusiast, and joining me, as always, is Michael Pannone, executive editor. Hey, Kevin. Hey, buddy. How's it going? It is going well. I mean, I am pumped. I feel like you couldn't have possibly started this podcast at a better time because the stuff we've been talking about has been fun, but the stuff ahead of us is awesome. And I'm really excited to talk about the new NX. First off, you did see it last week. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your trip out to Plano? Yeah, definitely. So I will mention that we're going to do a special edition podcast next week that's going to specifically be about the Lexus product showcase experience in Plano. But we structured it this way because the most exciting thing that Lexus showed while we were out there was the NX. And it's the one that we're most excited about. So the embargo, you know, recently dropped and we're excited to tell you about the NX. And then on the next podcast, we'll jump into a little bit of uh, the rest of the trip in terms of experience and the vibe and some of the things we saw. Yeah, I'm excited. Driving the uh, IS 500 on the track. Driving the IS 500 on the track, the RCF, Fuji, Speedway, yeah, the Supra, the LC 500. I spent a good bit of time in the new LS 500, spent a little bit of time in the LX570 before it goes. And then, um, as you know, <laughs> I also spent about an hour driving the RX450H F Sport. And strangely, yeah. I loved it. I Number loved one it. Lexus for, for Michael now. <laughs> I know. And I like I, I've, I've been a, I've I've not been the biggest fan of the RX. But after I drove that car, I was like, even this many years on, it's still a great package. Yeah, it was fun. And then uh, the other cool thing was getting to see 2022 ES in person. The changes are minimal, but it's nice. We'll talk more about it on the next mm-hmm. episode. Actually, one of the best parts of the trip was getting to see the LFZ electrified in person. And again, we can jump more into it next week, but it really is a good looking vehicle in person. And I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I can see how that would be pretty impressive as a concept. It, it's very well developed. The design is very resolved. So can you see a production model in it? Definitely. Yeah, there was a lot of exciting tidbits that Lexus dropped that tell us about the future. Uh, especially about the future of the LFZ and maybe even the RZ and the LF1. So definitely join us next week for the special edition of the podcast. Yeah, we really have to jump right into this new NX, 2022 NX, second generation model. So you were there and it seemed like there were specific stories that Lexus was wanting to tell right away on this model. Uh, Do you want to kind of break those down for us? So as everybody has seen by now, there's a ton of information in this release to break down. And if you really dive into the details like we all do because we care that much more about Lexus, there's even more to break down. So I was talking to Paul Williamson from Lexus College about it, and I said, give me more details on the all new turbo four cylinder. Give me details on the all wheel drive system. Like I want to get into the nitty gritty stuff. That's what I really care about. And he made an interesting point, which was that when Lexus releases a new model, they really like to focus on like two to four specific stories. And for the new NX, the things they really want to focus on are the all new Lexus interface infotainment system, the plug-in hybrid electric NX450H plus, and then this newly developed Lexus driving signature. So not to say that we won't get details later and closer to the full launch, but for right now, as they've released the vehicle, those are the things they're most excited about and the story they really want to tell. 
I also attended an event, a virtual event, with uh, the executive team of Lexus International. And there were a few things that they really emphasized about this model. And like you said, you know, they did focus a lot on the infotainment. They did talk about the driving signature, but they also did talk about the exterior and interior design. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they said right off the bat about this model is that it's a much more mature model as compared to the first generation, which was released now in 2014. So I think that is a really good way to describe this vehicle overall. It doesn't have the quirkiness. It definitely reflects the direction that Lexus design is taking. I do see a lot of the IS in it. Yeah, I would definitely describe this model as an evolution of the existing design, but also just kind of bringing it in within the fold of the new Lexus direction. Having seen it in person, they showed us a couple different NXs. I think the first one that we saw was the gray, the dark gray F Sport NX350. Mm -hmm. We also saw the blue NX450H Plus. There was another one we saw that was silver where they demoed the new door handles, which was awesome. So I I saw the car in a couple different colors and I think you definitely hit it on the head. It's more mature. And I've thought about this a lot over the last couple of days after seeing it and then looking through the press materials and seeing some of the current NXs on the road. And I have to say, to me, I don't think it's quite as good looking. Oh, as the as the old model, as the as the current NX. So do you remember when this generation NX came out and it was previewed by the LF NX? It was so incredible looking. It looked like a concept car. Yeah. And then when the production car came out, I mean, it was, you know, a little toned down, but the NX had like those really great curves on the side and kind of like the broader shoulders in the belt line on the side of the car. And the taillights had that cool detailing where they kind of had like edges and things like that. Mm -hmm. When I saw the car in person, don't get me wrong, it's a good looking crossover. But I just remember when the current NX debuted, it was shockingly good looking Mm. and like pretty futuristic looking. And when I saw this NX in person, it's a lot more mature. I think it's given up a little bit of like that edginess for maturity, but I don't think that's a bad thing either because, you know, we'll get more into it. But when you look at all that this car offers and the way that this car is positioned and how many markets it's going to exist in, it needed to mature. So I think they did the right things. And I will say another interesting thing too, seeing it in person, it looks smaller than the current NX. Like it it looks smaller. And I don't know if it's the fact that the proportions are a little bit tidier or the kind of like broader shoulders that the last generation NX had are more smoothed out now. And I would say that coming back to what you were talking about in terms of all the markets, one of the things that they really stressed during this virtual press conference was that this is now considered the core Lexus model. And I would say that that's why we've seen so many changes that have little to do with the NX itself and more broad general changes to Lexus. Mm -hmm. Because what they're really doing now is redefining what Lexus is going to become. I totally agree. And this is the first model within that. You know, just sticking with the exterior design, the one thing that I really like about this new second generation NX is how they've flattened the front and made it tall as opposed Mm -hmm. to what we had in North America with the standard NX with the pointy beak. I think it had something to do with ground clearance. Yeah. And they've forgone that and now have a much more uh, substantial front end to the NX. And, And I do really like the front end. You know, going around, looking at the rest of it, the back, I think we will talk about them switching from the Circle L logo on the back to, you know, spelling out the Lexus name on the back. But that, along with the light bar that goes across, 
There is a bit of the UX in there, and as they described, it was the new standard rear design in terms of models that come after the NX. Definitely. They had a lot of product parked everywhere in the event, and like a lot of the focus was the IS500. So I spent a lot of time with the IS500 and even, you know, the IS350 F Sport. The NX and the IS for the first time look like sedan and like SUV executions of the same idea. When you look at them from the front, you look at some of the lines on the sides and you look at them from the back. Lexus is doing a really good job right now of making all of their products unique enough to have, you know, an individual identity, but also creating a really strong family resemblance. Like you said in the first place, we're really starting to see mature. And then in terms of the interior, there was a lot of criticism of uh, when we saw the, the leaked video. And I'm talking about on the Lexus enthusiast forums mm-hmm. where people thought it was fairly ordinary. I think now looking at it with the high resolution images, it's not ordinary. It's like minimalist. It's designed yeah. in a way that is supposed to evoke a feeling, a simplicity. There really isn't a lot of extraneous details at all. It's very much like a, I would hate to say sanctuary, but you do think of vehicles in that way where it really is something a little bit more tranquil than a standard vehicle where there's buttons everywhere. And I actually quite like it. I do really like the dropping of remote touch. I mean, that's a huge deal. It should have happened years ago, but it is what it is. And here we are now, and they've finally turned the page on that. I like the the placement of it. I like the driver focus of the cabin. It really does feel like a cockpit. The world's simplest airplane (laughs) is like the the kind of the the shape of it. So I agree with you 100%. Remember when we were talking about with the 2022 ES release and we were joking about the brake pedal? But we were talking about how it felt like old school Lexus. (laughs) It's like there's such an incredible amount of detail and passion given to these really mundane things. And I think at the time we said that felt like the old version of Lexus. When I was looking at this NX and sitting in it, it is exactly what you said. It's fairly minimalist. It's very cut and dry. And I don't mean that in a bad way at all. But it's like the era of Lexus having like vents and cuts and trim pieces like in different places to try to make things like visually interesting for the sake of it Mm -hmm. is not present in this NX. When you look at the way that the center stack flows and you look at the way that the shape of the speaker flows into the trim on the door, which flows into the rest of the door panel, and you look at the integration of the handle and the shape of the rest of the door, yeah, you probably could stand back and look at it and be like, oh, okay. But once you sit in it and you close the door and you look around, it's very high quality. It's very intentional. That level of like intentional detailing feels very much like old Lexus to me. I think that's actually probably most exciting about all of the NX is it feels like the best parts of Lexus that we all used to love combined with new technology, new design and newfound passion. You know, they they did talk about the NX becoming the standard bearer of the new era of Lexus design in terms of exterior, interior and whatnot. And one of the things with Lexus and one of the like their central philosophy in terms of their design is, is the yet philosophy, which is contrast, sharp yet soft seemingly incompatible things merge together and i feel like they used to do that with the exterior and then they used to do it with the interior and now i feel like there's more of a holistic approach to their design where the exterior is very sharp and the interior is very soft and Mm -hmm. so you have this continuation of this core lexus philosophy but applied in a different way 
And I and so when we were there at the event, they gave us a couple of different demos of the new Lexus interface. Mm -hmm. And it's really impressive. It's really impressive. And I can say listening to Steve Bossera and some of the team talk about the way they developed the system, the best way that I could probably describe it is with CarPlay and Android Auto, we've all been looking for our cars to have this functionality that can mirror our phones. But what if your car just had the same functionality of your phone anyway? That's really how they think about it. So the whole system has been designed in-house, every piece of it, which is extremely impressive to me. You know, there are certain things about Apple CarPlay that people don't like. There's certain things about Android Auto that people don't like. So when Toyota built this system, what they did was they went out and took the best pieces that they liked, built it themselves, and then they have integrations and compatibility with everything else. So like an example that he gave us was right now you have to plug in your phone to be able to listen to like Apple Music or Pandora or Spotify now you can get in, sit in the car and sign in with your Spotify account or sign in with your Apple Music account. And the car has all of that natively. If you want to use Android Auto, use Android Auto. If you want to use Apple CarPlay, use Apple CarPlay. The whole thing is so well designed. And it's interesting, too, that as technical as it is, they've really slimmed it down to a couple key functionalities and it's all touchscreen. So as much as is behind the system, they did an incredible amount of research and testing to make it easy and natural to use. And that's only like using the interface. The other part of it too is it's truly conversational. So for 10 years, we've all been buying cars that are like, you know, yeah, you have voice commands. And it's like, if you don't say the voice command the right way in the right tone. <laughs> oh, like, yes. Yeah, oh, you, know, yes. you end up somewhere else Yeah. in the demos that they did. So I think you say like, hey, Lexus, find coffee around me or like, hey, Lexus, I'm thirsty for coffee or like, hey, Lexus, like I need a caffeine boost. Like you can say those types of things and the system picks all of that up. So it, it's not as rigid and it, it doesn't feel as unnatural. Like the whole experience now is it's conversational. If you want to talk to it, it can quickly like sort through and pick out what you're trying to do. And even when using it tactically on a touchscreen, it feels very simple. So I think they really knocked it out of the park on this. And there's even a couple other things where the OLED layer is bonded to the glass. So there's no glare. So they talked about yeah. how like you only get glare in systems when there is like, an open layer between the glass for a screen and the OLED layer. Right. And in the new system, they're optically bonded together to completely eliminate glare. So it's again, it's like it's just those little things in that little level of detail where you're like, man, this is Lexus at their best. I really do think of these infotainment systems as tertiary, like you're really not going into the car to use the system. If you're going on a drive, you're going to plug your phone in. You're going to utilize the functionality, the CarPlay or Android Auto. Right. However, there are times when you just get in the car and you got to like go to the store. Right. That's all you're doing. And at the same time, the new NX does have wireless CarPlay and wireless Android Auto. So it's not that you have to plug your phone in. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's nice to be able to not think about your phone for a little bit of time and just right. utilize the existing functionality. Yeah. At the same time, I mean, we do have to admit that these are really just windows into our phone for the most part. So I think that's one of the interesting things to me based on what I learned at the event was Lexus has really tried to translate it so that your car can do as much native functionality as possible, meaning that it isn't so much just you're looking for your car to mirror your phone. It's that your car can do a lot of what your phone can do. And if you want to still plug in your phone and do it that way, by all means, go for it. But the new system has a lot of that type of functionality. 
Another interesting point too, Lexus interface, you can set user profiles. And so for example, let's say that you have a new NX and you drive the car, Carissa drives the car, and at some point your daughter gets old enough to drive the car. No. You guys can set everything. <laughs> you guys <laughs> you guys can set everything from like seat presets to audio settings to ambient interior lighting. And it's like whoever gets in the car will automatically already be set up to accommodate the driver and it will feel like it's your car every time. And I, I forget what they call it, where your Lexus key can basically be your phone. Yeah. So when you walk up to the car and it senses like who is unlocking the car is when it applies the settings. So when you get in, they're all there. And like, speaking of that, I really love these new door handles. Me too. Yeah. I actually told my family about these door handles at the dinner table. Yeah. <laughs> it really is a talking point. These uh, door handles are fixed. There is a button on the inside of the handle, which you can push with a single finger. And then the same thing with inside where there is a single button that you can push with your thumb to unlock the door. This is really an interesting idea. It's kind of quirky, but I also think that they've seen the ability to utilize these handles as sensors. All four door handles are now able to sense pedestrians, bikers, anything where you open the door and you're, there's the potential for some sort of impact. Yeah, they did a couple demos of the safe exit assist and it was very cool. And I can say, you know, again, for me living in Atlanta, there's a lot of times where I'm in the city or a very urban area and you parallel park and it's like, yeah, you can kind of like, you know, you can try to angle your mirror so that you can see if somebody's coming. But the demos they gave us, it's a it's a very cool feature that has true real life application and practicality. So, again, really cool, like small detail, but those types of things go a long way in the ownership experience. Like I said earlier, this is just the first model. So right. it's not as though they designed these door handles or Lexus interface for the NX and that's it. These are going to be new, like lineup wide functionality. And so mm -hmm. you really are looking at a complete upgrade in the ownership experience. Yep. And I'll also see, say that I've seen a couple people talking about, you know, with the digital latch system, oh, well, what happens if your battery dies and you get stuck in the car? No. Again, typical Lexus engineering on the inside. There's a very small lever underneath the door handle, like very small, like maybe an inch and very thin. Oh, okay. If something was to happen and you were stuck in the car and you needed to get out, you can just pull that and get out and it opens it opens the door manually. Okay. Um, and same thing on the outside. Like, you know, if, if anything happened, you need to get in the car like there's a way to do it. Well, as a completely non sequitur, I bought a new keyboard and underneath the, this keyboard, you can light it up with all these like patterns and everything like that. And the NX is also like that. Like you mm -hmm. can now change like the color of the lights inside, which to me seems like a higher end option. I feel mm -hmm. like that's something that you might see. I believe that the S class has something similar to it where you can pick up themes and, and things like yep. that. I really love this, this kind of yeah. personalization. I think so too. And I know I keep going back to it and I probably sound like I'm a little bit drunk on Lexus Kool-Aid, but <laughs> what's just like, what's so exciting to me about it is we're at this cool point of it's the old school Lexus in terms of details and thinking about the ownership and the driving experience. And it's also new age technology and execution, which I just think is as much as we can all ask for really like as Lexus enthusiasts, that's the, that's the best thing that we can get. And mm -hmm. I feel like this new NX is very indicative of what we're going to start seeing from the brand going forward. It's more of a modern interpretation of Lexus. Yeah. 
as opposed to trying to change Lexus, this is more, what does Lexus look like in 2020? Mm-hmm. You know, it's less about change and more about the fundamentals of the brand in a more modern way. Yeah. It's similar to thinking about things like teammate or things like the multimedia system or the stuff that we're talking about. And I think we see it every day in other brands and I'm not picking on anybody because I think to some degree, you know, the automotive industry has turned into a technology arms race, just like everything else. But Lexus is implementing and integrating this stuff in a very thoughtful way. Mm -hmm. You look at the integration of safety technology, again, going back to the demonstration of teammate, which I'll talk more about on the next podcast, you could easily stand back and look at everything that comes in cars now and be intimidated or the way that Lexus is doing it is like it's all there and it's just so thoughtfully put together and engineered that it doesn't feel overwhelming it feels complimentary well it has to considering the age of the people that buy luxury vehicles Mm -hmm. you can't have functionality that's intimidating or it never gets used so true We are going to talk about the driving signature, but another core aspect of Lexus, when you think about it, is augmentation, is the idea of not replacing the driver, but assisting the driver and augmenting the entire experience. So Lexus really does have this pretty wrapped up in terms of all of the things act as extensions of the driver, as opposed to like replacing or uh, sidelining driver Mm -hmm. it's the lexus approach versus like the tesla approach for example yeah exactly yeah and then i mean the other huge thing is the nx 450h plus which is a plug-in hybrid it was only one of five different engine options for the nx that's the most for a Lexus ever. You know, I'm just going to break it down quick. It starts off with the NX200, which is a engine only available outside of North America. Then there is the NX250, which is the base engine, and that is a 2.5 liter four-cylinder, making about 203 horsepower. There is another gas engine as well. There's the NX350, which is the 2.4 liter turbo four, which has an estimated 275 horsepower. There is a standard hybrid, which is the NX350H and combined electric gas, 239 horsepower. So there is a pretty wide range in terms of the options available in North America for different engines. I'm actually pretty excited about all of them. It's pretty transparent, right? Like the NX250 is a volume play. Mm-hmm. Like if you want a new NX and you don't want to spend a lot of money, get the NX250. It's going to be less expensive. I think that there's going to be some rest- restricted option packages and things on that vehicle since it really is like a volume play. That four cylinder is the same one as the RAV4 and the Camry. If you're not looking to set the world on fire, it really is a pretty decent engine, especially with an eight speed automatic and things like that. The one I am most excited about probably is the new turbocharged four cylinder, Mm. because this is an engine that we have all been talking about for probably three years. Like it's here now. The rumors have been 2.4 or 2.5 liter turbocharged four cylinder that's going to allegedly replace moment of silence. No, the 3.5 liter V6. No, never. That's never going to happen. I don't know. I don't know. So when I when I saw the specs, I was I think I was hoping for a little closer to 300 horsepower. Yeah. But I have to say, too, you know, let's remember this is the NX. And when you run the specs, this engine is more powerful than the RDX, the X3, 3.0, the GLC. So in terms of that competitive set, it's already the most powerful. So I have 
to assume that there can be more powerful tunes for other models in the future. And this is also like something else to think about. Like this is the new 350. We saw the trademarks. We were assuming this was going to be the new 350. Here it is. And now we know. So it's pretty easy to assume that the next generation RX and potentially the TX, this is the base engine turbocharged four cylinder. So again, I'm going to assume that they probably have a tune or two of this engine that is different and potentially makes more power. They would have to. Maybe like the twin turbo V6, like they have one for the LS and now one for the Land Cruiser. Anyway, so I was talking to Paul Williamson about it again from Lexus College. And I said when I made the original point, about, you know, what are the big stories to tell? I was surprised that this new turbocharged four cylinder wasn't one of them because to me as an enthusiast, it's such a big deal. But in the conversation that I had with Paul, he said, generally, it's going to be pretty comparable in terms of performance, thus also being called 350. But the one thing that Paul told me that isn't listed in the release, and I'm sure it will be announced closer, is that the tailpipe emissions on this new four cylinder are significantly, significantly less than the V6. And that is something that was really important to Lexus. Um, We know that like Lexus is committed to hybrids and things like that, but in some of the materials we've seen it lately, but Lexus is really, really committed to sustainability and being environmentally friendly. And Paul specifically made the point that this new four cylinder is leaps and bounds above the GRV6 while still providing essentially the same amount of power. Like the way that we've been talking about the 3.5 liter V6 is the way that we will be talking about this engine in 10 years. Because (laughs) this is the new core middle of the lineup power plant for gas. It's pretty amazing because judging strictly from the press release, you would not have thought it was that big of a deal. Exactly. Exactly. The use case for this engine, you know, again, here I am pulling out and dusting off my crystal ball, but it's like you have to believe it's going to be next gen ES, next gen RX, probably TX based on trademark, probably the base engine in like the next GX, the up level engine option for the Camry. I'm going to have to guess like Forerunner, Tacoma, like this is going to go all the places the V6 has been. So it's a really big deal. And I again, like same point you made, I'm a little surprised that Lexus didn't actually make a bigger deal of it because it is is a big deal. But a lot of the discussion around the NX that I experienced was focused around electrification. They're very proud of the 450H plus as they should be. They're also very excited about the 350H, which if I was going to put myself in the shoes of an NX buyer, it'd be really hard for me to choose between the 350 and the 350H. We have a RAV4 Hybrid Limited in the family. I can see that package with Lexus refinement and a little more power would be really killer. <laughs> yeah. would be a really, really good combination. But at the same time, then there's just that side of me that's like, yeah, I want the all new four cylinder. I want almost 320 pound feet of torque. Like they're both great. Hard to disagree with that. And then, you know, the top of the pecking order is the 450H plus, which has the same powertrain as the RAV4 Prime. The Ra- So the RAV4 Prime has, I believe, 40 miles of electric range right. and the NX 450H plus has 36. Somebody asked this question and the response was that the NX 450H plus has 20 inch wheels and the RAV4 Prime has, I think, 18 or 19 inch wheels. Okay. So that's the difference. Exactly. Yeah. The, and it's, you know, it's, it's crazy that wheels make that much of a difference. So, yeah, I mean, and, you know, you look at the base, like we've just ran through all of it, but it's like you have your volume play. If you're you know looking for a low monthly number, you have the enthusiast offering somebody who wants, you know, the turbo with standard all wheel drive and then the kind of day to day hybrid, which is probably the perfect middle ground. And then for somebody who really wants the plug in capability and the best of everything, you have the 450 H plus. So I think they killed it. Yeah, I mean, the NX Plus, 
well, it's very enticing, but I believe that they've said there's only going to be, what, 9,000 of them made in the first year? Yeah. Yeah. So at the NX presentation, this question was asked. There, it's a difficult to get your hands on a RAV4 Prime. How is it going to be any easier to get your hands on an NX450H? And keep in mind, we also have seen trademarks for, I believe, RX450H+. Plus. So, you know, this powertrain yeah. is going to start to proliferate through the lineup and Toyota is going to have to figure out how to meet demand for it. But they did say that not even just due to COVID, they're having a hard time getting their hands on the materials in the supply chain to make enough of these powertrains. And they do have plans to scale up production of the 450H plus over the NX's life cycle, right. but it's going to take a little while to get there. So in the US, how much does a RAV4 Prime cost? Uh, they go between like forty-five and 50000 so what kind of premium do you think Lexus is going to put on that? You've got to figure it's going to be a pricey number. I think so, too. And you look at all of that the NX offers over the RAV4. Right. I am going to bet you the 450H Plus is probably, I bet you it maybe starts at like 59.99 or something, you know, like. <laughs> Just to keep it under that six number. Yeah, like under 60 maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I think most of them realistically are going to be between 60 and 70K, which is crazy for an NX. You know, I was thinking about that in terms of pricing. You really have to want this specific size vehicle and you need to specifically want to have a plug-in hybrid powertrain. Mm -hmm. And if those two things are what you want, then you have to pay this premium. Even at its base, this is going to be a fairly well-optioned vehicle. So when they showed it to us and everything I've seen of the 450H plus has been F Sport. I don't know if they're going to offer it as only F Sport, but, you know, when you look through it, it comes with just like the RAV4 Prime, you know, I think it's going to come pretty loaded, comes with all wheel drive, comes with the hybrid system that right now seems to be most people in the market are clamoring for because yeah. it's probably the best one. So there's that to consider too. But I think, you know how you mentioned before that Lexus is really seeing this as their core? When I was there at the event chatting with people, a couple of them made the point that the NX in the rest of the world is really what the RX is here. Yes. So, yeah. you know, we look at it and think about it like, oh, it's a small SUV, but like in the rest of the world, this is midsize. So you think about the powertrain lineup, you consider the plug-in and the fact that even if it is expensive, a lot of these European cities now, you're going to have to have a plug-in to even be able to drive into the city. Yeah. Again, it seems like Lexus has really covered all their bases, and they've definitely thought about this as a more global product. Do you remember Lexus was late to the compact luxury SUV yes. segment? Yes, Do you remember that? Yeah. And for a long time, Lexus resisted the segment, thinking like, well, the RX is only a little more expensive and a, you know, a little bit bigger, so let's just push people in that direction. And so as we know, and we've talked about with the UX, it's such a Lexus move. You know, you have your first generation kind of like testing the waters and seeing how things goes. And the second generation is where Lexus comes back and throws everything at it but the kitchen sink. So I think when you look at it through that model and you think about the fact that, you know, we had a generation, the world has changed, there's more of a focus on electrification. This is the core model for Lexus globally. Yeah, it, it really is. It makes sense. Right from the get-go, you're talking more powertrains than anything else. You have the new infotainment. We haven't even discussed the driving signature, mostly because neither of us have driven the NX. But you have all of these different things all combined into one single model. And it really does make sense when you consider its position worldwide. 
when you look at electrification and batteries and hybrids and things like that, there is some sort of new all-wheel drive system coming with this NX. And when I was at the event, I asked, is the NX going to bring dynamic torque vectoring all-wheel drive to Lexus the same way that the NX and the RX have gotten it? Lexus didn't avoid the question, but it was a little bit like, well, it's going to be something different. And so then I think in the Q&A that you had with some of the engineers and things like that, there was some discussion and they said that there's actually a new full time all wheel drive system coming to Lexus. So we'll have to wait for more details on that closer to the real launch. But let me stop for a minute and reiterate what we're dealing with here, because (laughs) this car is now on TNJAK. So it's on the midsize front wheel drive bias platform, as we've seen with Direct 4, Lexus has the ability to tune the all-wheel drive system on TNGA-K specifically to be 50-50, 70-30, 30-70, whatever you want to call it. Right. Then you throw in hybrids and batteries and things like that. This NX cracks open the next chapter of Lexus because the next ES and even potentially the next IS, if it moves to a platform like this, we're talking, you know, split all wheel drive that can be torque vectoring, can behave more like rear wheel drive, plus things like six seconds, zero to 60, 300 horsepower plug in hybrid, 240 horsepower, four cylinder hybrid. To me, looking at everything that's packed into this NX, this shows what Lexus is going to do in the future. And I think the same things apply to the RX. We're going to have to wait for more details on this all-wheel drive system, but the next RX could have full-time all-wheel drive, 300-something horsepower in the 350, or it could have a lot more than that in the 500H. So there's no more need for rear-wheel drive. And I know people hate hearing me say that, and I can't believe that those words are coming out of my mouth, but this is what I am most excited about and what I've been waiting for. The NX shows it is possible and they're doing it. When you're talking about a system that can be tuned so extensively, the driving profiles can be changed based on the vehicle. So it really feels like a modular system that they're able to really dictate the driving profile of a vehicle and tune it electronically as opposed to committing to either a front wheel or rear wheel drive platform. Exactly. And so the opportunities are limitless. Literally, they're limitless. Like Lexus can do anything now that they have that technology. And there might be a direct four version of the NX in 2022. Wink, wink. <laughs> there might be. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. The way that you're framing it now is we're looking at an all new all wheel drive system. We're looking at the brand new core base engine. We're looking at brand new infotainment. So we're talking about potentially the biggest Lexus launch of what of the next five years in terms of its significance. Yeah, I think we will in a couple years, like thinking again about the 20 by 2025, I think we'll look back at this NX launch and think that was the turning point. So what do you think about it overall? I mean, I think it's the right product at the right time. And I know we touched on it before, but Lexus design is maturing. It's not as out there. You know, the spindle is getting a little bit settled down and more sophisticated. Headlights are coming back together. You know, when you look at the design and you look at the detailing and you look at the engineering, this is a product that we can be really excited of the engineering that went into it. Yes, you can say that it's on TNGAK, so it shares some things with the RAV4 or the Camry, 
but just like we ran through all new all-wheel drive system, all new turbocharged four-cylinder. You look at the multimedia, you look at the detailing on things like the door handles. Like this is a different moment for Lexus and I'm really excited for what it means for the future. What about you? I think that the NX could have looked like anything and it would still be as significant as it is. I think they played it pretty safe with the exterior. I feel like they were daring in a way with the interior, just in its simplicity. But it really comes down to these powertrains. It comes down to the underlying technology, the move to to TNGA. All of these things are such a positive moment. What we're really seeing here is what Lexus has been working on over the time when things were so slow. That's true. It really does put into context the lull that has occurred. This is a significant change for the brand because they put all of their effort for so long into design. They have that pretty locked in and now they're fleshing out the rest. The one thing we didn't talk about, and I think that we really should, is this type logo on the back. Oh, the move. Yeah. The move from the circle L to the word Lexus. I don't really know what. I don't know what would have caused them to think that this was necessary, but there are some parallels in the market. There Mm -hmm. is Lincoln. Lincoln does something similar. I doubt that they were aiming to (laughs) align themselves (laughs) with Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah, but uh, there is another one, and that's Porsche. There have been a few times where I have thought that Lexus really viewed Porsche as a watermark for them, and I feel like this is a really obvious tip of the hat to that. Somebody asked this question at the event and they said specifically why, you know, this font looks new. Is the logo going to change? Are you adding the font to the logo? What does this mean? And Lexus pretty much said it's purely stylistic. Um, And they they made the point that, you know, almost every car has an emblem on the back and they feel like now the circle L is recognizable enough that they could do something that was a little bit more design first on the back of the car. So it seems like something that they thought about, but I I didn't get the sense it was something they'd thought too much about. They just were sort of like, this is a good time. We can make a switch. You know, the design of our cars is changing and more sophisticated, and that can be reflected in the decision to put the logo on the front of the car only and put, you know, text on the back. They also touched on it in the virtual press conference, and the point was made that it's not just the type logo. It's also the light bar and the L shape of the taillights. All those three design cues are things that are going to be carried through to other Lexus models. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if it's just a matter of the spelling out the word Lexus just looks a little bit better with the light bar. It may be that simple, but I did find it to be a really curious move. It's one of those things that I really, I'll probably have to sit with for a while before I'll really get a sense of if I like it or not, because right now it's a little bit too early to really say. I will say that when I saw it in person, when we saw it in the teaser at first, I was like, huh, interesting. And when I saw it in person, I was like, oh, this does look nice. Yeah, this looks really nice. <laughs> so so I'm, a, I'm on board. I'm a fan. There, there's such an opportunity for jeweling and for detail in mm-hmm. those letters. I, I, I can see it. And then we would have been happy to just discuss the NX for the entire podcast. But yeah. rumors, rumors come at the craziest times. Right. Just after the debut of the new Toyota Land Cruiser, we have stumbled on information. I think it was an Instagram post. Mm -hmm. It was from Land Cruiser Updates Instagram page posted it. With four different SKU models for the next generation LX. Yep. You wrote the story. You want to break these down for us? 
Sure. So when you look at the model codes, it's interesting because it looks almost like it's a build sheet or something like that that somebody took a screenshot of. So there's two different engines here, basically, like there are both LX570 and LX600 models. So we know current generation is LX570 based on trademarks for a while now. We've known about LX600. I think the logical assumption here is that the 570 is probably on this build sheet because, you know, who knows where this came from in the world. And especially a lot of these Land Cruiser pages are based in the Middle East or sometimes in Asia. And those Mm -hmm. markets get different models because of fuel quality and things like that. So my sense when you look at it and especially the model codes is that the 570 is probably still on this build sheet because I assume that it's going to be an international model. And I think we'll probably only get the LX600 is my guess. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, even then. So if we just look at 600, there's three models. There's a four by four model, an F Sport model and a VIP model. So who knows? I mean, remember when we like very briefly had a GX F Sport trim a couple yep. years ago. Right. I think it was what, maybe two years? Maybe. Yeah, it was short lived. It, it yeah. was short lived. But um anyway, so this would be the first time that F Sport comes to the LX, which is exciting to think about. Yeah. The four by four model, you know, now that we've seen the new Land Cruiser. By the way, what did you think of the new Land Cruiser? I thought it was the new LX. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think there's gonna be a lot borrowed from the new Land Cruiser with the new LX in terms of the styling, because it does have a very substantial look, I thought. Well, you know, we've talked a little bit about these LX rumors have come up from time to time and we've discussed them on the podcast. So I don't know. I think I'm changing gears a little bit here internally. Remember how I said a couple times that I think the next LX might be more like the Sequoia mm-hmm. and less like the Land Cruiser. So, you know, for people in North America, historically, we've had both the Sequoias, like the true full size SUV and the Land cruiser's been a little bit smaller. I was thinking now that the Land Cruiser's going away and we're only going to have the Sequoia North America, maybe they'll just make the LX and the Sequoia in tandem like the LX and the Land Cruiser have been. Right. But I think now that we're not going to get the Land Cruiser and then you look at the reason that they are pulling the Land Cruiser out of North America is because of the LX. Yes. My feeling on this has changed. I think that the LX is pretty much going to be a Land Cruiser that has been Lexusified like it always has been, which is exciting because when you look at this Land Cruiser and you look at the technology, you look at some of the new advancements with the new TNGA body on frame platform, it's almost 450 pounds lighter. The center of gravity is lower. They move the engine and the transmission back further in the platform for driving responsiveness. There's a lot of things here that are really exciting. And even looking at the interior of the new Land Cruiser, the interior is beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm a, I've always yeah. been a Land Cruiser fanboy, so I love yeah. the Land Cruiser. Um, and I hate the idea of losing the Land Cruiser name. Don't get me wrong. If you think about taking what we just saw as the Land Cruiser and, you know, new sheet metal, new options, new luxury options and stuff like that that is really cool for lexus like how cool would it be for lexus if the land cruiser isn't here anymore and to get a land cruiser you have to buy an lx (laughs) like that's a pretty cool competitive advantage yeah absolutely and i think that the land cruiser has a prestige that is pretty rare within the lexus toyota stable agreed and I think that it's very important for them to continue it in some way, shape, or form. Even though the name may change, the vehicle doesn't. Mm-hmm. And when you say, you know, oh, they're going to take the, the new Land Cruiser and Lexify, I don't really think they've got a lot of work in that regard. Agreed. I think that they've really stepped it up 
I would imagine that there will be some changes, but at the same time, you know, we're thinking about these different models, the different trim levels. And the one that I was most excited about was this VIP Mm -hmm. trim level. Because for one thing, there is no better trim level name for a Lexus. I agree. Than VIP. <laughs> than VIP. <laughs> I want trim levels. Of, I want VIP on everything. <laughs> everything should have VIP trim yeah. levels. Yeah. It is so perfect. It's so clever. Everything about it is so good. And the reason why I say these things is because of the VIP scene. This is like slam Japanese Lexus vehicles where they have curtains and it's a super very high dis- luxury it's super high luxury yep. i think originally it was rooted in like the yakuza kind of japanese underworld so like it has that about it and really it was such a core part of lexus fandom that for them to take that name and make it their own I just, I just think it's so good. Mm-hmm. And I'm really like, what would make a Lexus VIP? There's also that, like, what is Lexus going to actually do with this? Like, is this going to be a Maybach level of luxury? Like, is Lexus going to take what Mercedes has done with the Maybach name? Is that what we're looking at? Or is it maybe something a little less substantial? I can't really say, you know, when we're just looking at the name. So a couple of years ago, I started hearing rumors from people at Lexus talking about this concept of a super luxury LX and the Bentley Bentego was thrown around. Uh, the mm. Maybach, you know, concept was thrown around. I heard things like, you know, rear seat executive package like the LS has had. Right. So I think it will be something like that, which is really cool. Just like you were kind of touching on a lot of places in the world. The Land Cruiser is seen as one of the most respected and most established names. So think about Lexus being able to take that formula and even amp it up even a little bit further with like, like executive and Kiriko Glass maybe even I don't know things like that it's pretty cool to think about like you look at some of those really high-end options in the LS and you think about putting them in the LX and that's really cool maybe even cooler like there's probably some things in that package that haven't even been seen before so I'm with you I think it's very cool I also think it's a way to elevate the LX even further you know that that space has gotten kind of crowded now it used to be like the Navigator the Escalade (laughs) in the LX and now it's like the X7 and the GLS and Audi has the Q7 and the Q8 so I think it's cool I think it's really cool and then you know almost like bringing it back again to looking at the trims if the Land Cruiser is gone there's a space for Lexus to offer a trim that is more off-road-ish and so I know we go back to that a couple months ago that interview maybe it was automotive news that had with andrew gilliland uh yeah talking about about off-road yeah talking about body on frame suvs and the bronco if the land cruiser is gone it kind of opens that space so i think it's interesting to see four by four specifically mentioned on here as a model because they're all four by four they always have (laughs) yeah so that could that could mean just base model that's that's a possibility but Keep in mind, Lexus did build the J201 overlanding concept of the current LX. And I can tell you from when I was in Plano, they're very proud of that concept and they quite like it. So if it becomes something for the next generation, I wouldn't be surprised. So I think you could potentially see, like if I just look at these three, 4x4, F-Sport and VIP, 4x4 might be like a base spec trim or, you know, there might be suspension or wheel options that are more off-road friendly than we've ever seen before. F-Sport mm-hmm. might be 
you know, sort of like the S package they have in the Middle East, where it's a little bit more on road, a little bit sportier looking. And then yeah. VIP might really be that like top of the line Uber luxury trim of the LX that we've been hearing about. So then what are you thinking in terms of the sport? You think that the sport could be this off road version of the LX? I'm not sure because so the sport is only listed on this spreadsheet as for the 570 model. Oh, yeah, so I, you're right. I didn't see that. So I think if you look, you know, the rest of the world may only get two LX models, like a base model and a sport model. You know, you think about North America being one of the most prestigious markets. We have the gasoline requirements for the new engine. I think North America probably will just get the LX 600. I think some of the other markets around the world with lower quality gasoline will probably get the 570 that they've had. But then the other thing, the Land Cruiser, it has uh, 410 horsepower coming out of that out of that twin turbo V6 with 400 pound feet of torque. Like those are big numbers for the LX. Like this yeah. is where the LX needs to be. I agree, and I think so. I did the math on this before. They were saying that the new TNGA body on frame platform dropped about 450 pounds over the current Land Cruiser. So the current Land Cruiser is somewhere around like 5,700 pounds. Yeah. So we're talking about a body on frame SUV that's now going to be closer to like 5,300 pounds, 5,350 pounds. That's a really big chunk of weight to lose. That's a lot. Absolutely. And so you think about over the like the V8 now is through what 381 horsepower, the new one's 410. So it's like plus 30 horsepower and plus 80 pound feet of torque and minus yeah. 450 pounds. All of a sudden, like this formula starts to take shape and it starts to look really good. But you know what that also means? <laughs> Tell me. No V8. The V8's got to yeah. be done. I mean, a lot of people, and you and I both talked about it, but we were looking at 600 thinking that has to be the V8. But like we just broke down, those yeah. are measurable improvements over the current 5.7 liter. So to me, it makes sense that 600 is this tune of the twin turbo V6. And I have to say, you know, I'm not a huge fan of that 5.7 liter. I find it to be a little chunky in the way that it performs and i'm really excited to see something with more torque and the horsepower is great like an additional 30 horsepower is great but i think it really is going to be that extra torque that's going to make a big difference i agree i actually specifically drove the ls 500 and the lx 570 back to back uh when i was there there was a period where they just had open like free reign you could go drive anything you want and those are two very different vehicles i'm not saying that by any stretch they're the same thing but for all of my gripes about what the twin turbo v6 is like in the ls 500 it made me appreciate it so much more than the V8 because yeah, when I got yeah. in the LX570, I mean, the LX570 is like moving a butter knife through a jar of mayonnaise. It's, it's not laborious. It's not fast. It like you <laughs> no. put your foot down. The transmission isn't really very quick to downshift. It's sort of like it's going to get there when it's going to get there. And I think yeah. you and I've had this conversation a couple times, but it's like that twin turbo V6 is actually a perfect motor for an SUV like this. It's perfect. Yes, agreed. And Absolutely. You know, now that that platform has lost 450 pounds, the LX or the Land Cruiser are going to weigh almost the same as a loaded LS 500, <laughs> like over 5,000 yeah. pounds. So the performance of the Land Cruiser slash LX will probably be quite similar to the LS 500. And I can tell you in terms of like torque and drivability and quick shifting and things like that, 
it makes a really big difference. And I'm very excited for that motor to go into the LX and the Land Cruiser because it's going to be a really big upgrade from the V8. So what do you think the discrepancy is between the LS500 and the LX600? What do you think that difference, that virtual 100 difference in the name? I think Lexus has worked themselves into a little bit of a corner with this naming convention because when we got away from, you know, leaders to behavior like a number of leaders, mm-hmm. the tunes between the LS500 and the LX600, at least for right now on paper, aren't that different. Uh, no. You know, the LS is 416 horsepower and 442 pound feet. The Land yeah. Cruiser is 410 horsepower and 480 pound feet. So they're not yeah. that different, but I will have I have to say that to me going from 570 to 600 makes sense because of what yeah. we just talked about, you know, it's 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 measurable improvements in horsepower and torque. So I get that. No, I have to I have to think that you're probably dead on. It's just a matter of the tuning. There is a difference as you broke down between the twin turbo applications and I figure that it's just got to be something within that. And I also think that they really don't like to go down. I don't think they want to go from 570 to 500. And these numbers, I don't know how much they mean anymore. Agreed. So now, I mean, you know, kind of pulling it in full circle, like knowing everything that we know about the NX, like we talked about, and now looking at the specs and the improvements on the Land Cruiser makes me very excited for the LX. So, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, again, we've covered a lot. This has been a, a, a pretty detailed podcast. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Again, come back next week. We're going to do a special edition of the podcast next week, not two weeks out to specifically talk about the experience in Plano. So that'll be, you know, my impressions and hands on time with the LFZ Electrified, the 2022 ES, the track time in the IS 500 and the RCF track edition. Well, Fuji Speedway, I'm sorry. I also did a lot of laps on Eagles Canyon Raceway and the LC500 and the Supra. And I know that they're very different, but I want to talk to you guys about the experience. We also did the off-road course in the GX and the LX. I talked to some of the engineers about future body-on-frame products. And then uh, just some other like little tidbits and things that were said at the event. I also got about 20 minutes talking to Andrew Gilland about product and some market differentiators. A- Andrew Gilland, uh, general manager of Lexus. Exactly. There's there's a lot of really good stuff yet to come. I know that, you know, we say this every podcast, Kevin, but it's like there's so much happening right now that it's kind of hard to distill it all down. So I'm excited to make this episode all about the NX because it was very important for all the reasons that we covered. But make sure to join us next week because we have a lot of other great stuff to chat about then, too. So thanks. Thanks.